Hello and welcome back to the Geeks at the Gates. We are going back to our series Corrupting Alice, the Doctor Who Sessions, as uh, Pat, myself and Alice meet up across the miracle of Skype to continue our discussion of Alice's exploration into Doctor Who, a fandom that she had, prior to this, no experience of whatsoever. Uh, we're going to start pretty much where we'd left off a few weeks ago. Donna has just left. And the Tenth Doctor is alone for the first time since he regenerated. Uh, he has no companion whatsoever. How's he going to cope? Well, not all that well, actually, as it goes. Uh, this was a year of specials. Uh, there was no actual Doctor Who series the year these went out. Uh, there was the Christmas special, there was one at Easter, and uh, there was a, a later one. Uh, and so this is our discussion of those. So, quick blast on the spoiler horn, and we will get straight into it. Spoilers! Spoilers! We discussed the next Doctor with, um, what's his face? David Morrissey. No, we didn't. No, we didn't. We didn't do that. No, because that's a, po that's a post on our adventure as well, isn't it? Mm. Okay, yeah. well, shall we start there, then? Yeah. Because that, that came before, that <laughs> that came before was, Wars That Mars, was an episode, it? wasn't it? <laughs> I really hate it a lot. Uh, yeah, <sighs> there's a lot. I mean, there's a lot to the hate. Thing, the thing <laughs> that I don't get about that episode is that it was what its intention was. This is the thing with a lot of film and TV is that you can see the, their intentions sometimes, but the execution falls right on face, and it gets up and it's bleeding from the nose and everything. <laughs> There's a few teeth that are gone, and it was clearly trying to make fun of the um, sexist and perhaps a racist tropes that it's had in the end. But it still, but it ended up sort of reinforcing them. If that's rough. if that makes any sense. Yeah, I really, really hated it a lot. It's what I... did, did I just did I just encapsulate all the problems there? I feel so. And yeah, just... also. It... It, I, I liked the the bait and switch idea that you know we're we're given every reason to think this guy is a doctor, and then you know it becomes fairly clear that he isn't. And actually, the reason that he thinks he's the doctor, I quite liked. You know that he'd seen the Cyberman, he'd had the cyber stuff in his brain. Mm. I'm, I'm waving my hands over my head. I don't know why I'm doing that. Awesome Although I guess you guys can see me, um, but the listeners can't. We, we can't see you. Can you not? We can't see you. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> we can see each other. I thought my camera was on. I can see both of you. I thought my camera was on. Yeah, just because you can see us doesn't oh, mean the, we can see you. The, the joys of Skype. <laughs> oh. Have I arrived? There you are. Hello. Hello. Oh. We're all here now. So, but, but then the, the actual story is just awful. And the it's got the it's got the worst Cyberman in it ever. Steampunk Cyberman. I, I, I don't want a fifty foot tall steampunk Cyberman. In fact, it was bigger than that, wasn't it? It was huge. Can I just argue that that's not the worst Cyberman ever? He's the worst Cyberman ever. The wooden Cyberman. Cyberman. Oh, are you are you not a fan of that? I really dislike the wooden Cyberman. Oh, you see, it's I thought... like. It's like why I just it looks like a really poorly executed chocolate log and it upsets me. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> I actually can totally see that now. Uh, I can't unsee that now that you've said really it. Sorry, but it's true. And now, at the next, for Giant next Christmas, I want a chocolate log in style on Cyberman. <laughs> we can do that. We that can that's what I want for Christmas. Um, that and the end of the coronavirus. <laughs> oh my God, please let it be gone before then. Um, I, uh, I see what you said. I, I, it was a poor execution. Mm-mm, very much. But, very, but I very like the concept of the wooden Cyberman. You know, because you know the Sonic doesn't work on it and all that kind of stuff. It's uh, and also Green the Lantern idea, couldn't attack it. Like going back to the steampunk idea of the Cyberman. It's a good idea, but it's just again just wasn't executed very mm-hmm. well. Absolutely. And I just feel that it also felt like a gimmick. Like, oh, steampunk is in now. Let's do that rather than yeah, do totally. something interesting with it. I agree. I agree completely about that. Very much style over substance. And I think with something like this, there needs to be substance in order to justify doing it. 100%. I I also, I just want to say that I hate that episode so much. I have watched literally every Doctor Who episode multiple times, except that one. I have watched it twice. I cannot bear it. That's how bad I feel about that episode. And there are a lot of really bad episodes of Doctor Who, but that one I just can't stand. And it's one that I, I don't know, the ones that I, genuinely hate just they crop up and i just roll with it and i'm like oh it'll be over soon it'll be fine and i watch them again even though i don't particularly like them that one i will go out of my way to avoid i just really despise it i think it's terrible i think it's really terrible do you know what i don't dislike it that much but i i'm not i'm certainly not going to argue with you and defend it (laughs) doctor who is that i think once you've watched it all the way through once over you can then the second time round or third time round or how many time rounds you decide to go back to it. There are some episodes that you can just skip because you already know those plot points already. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Mm. So that one has no plot points. It serves no purpose. Exactly. And, it's and utterly then, skippable. There are some episodes that are filler. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So yeah, the next Doctor to me feels like we need a Christmas special rather than we've got a good story to tell. Absolutely, I think is how that felt to me, um, mm-hmm. and you know, it's got it's got some high points. It's got some, I can't remember what they are, <laughs> but I'm sure it's got some. But yeah, it's mostly dreadful. And let's move on. Yeah, what's next? What's after that one? Because IMDb is telling me what is the well, no, Planet of the Dead with uh, oh yeah, it's the Dark Eastenders. <laughs> oh yes, yes, of course that one's good. What what uh, what was that? <laughs> uh, no, it was see. Easter. I liked I like Planet of the Dead. I do in a lot of ways. I can't again. I'm, I, in some ways, a lot of ways. <laughs> I, I'm not gonna make an argument for it being a great piece of television because it isn't. But it's a, it's a fun, stupid romp, and it gives us the he will knock three ta- uh, four times line. Does, it, yes. work, does it which mm. is really necessary for later on which could have been done a different way but it does give us that and you know it, it has um that guy whose name escapes me because imdb failed me uh who is in get out it oh my goodness um, yes it does yes daniel daniel clearly i was almost there yeah yeah you know uh, yeah. you know me and names i'm, I'm not even attempting it terrible but yeah he's in it which is like I, I really i got this funny idea like very early in lockdown that i was going to do a massive graph 
big, well, more mind map of all the people that had been in different things and all their interconnections because there's just so many. And when I was rewatching Doctor Who, I just kept spotting people that had gone on to much yeah. greater things. And it's just that I've got to do it at some point. There are no greater things than being The thing that I've really enjoyed about watching Doctor Who is seeing a lot of big names, people who are now big names. Yeah. In what is was probably their first, one of their first roles. Yeah, early right. stuff. Mm. Although, it's just really nice that it's not because there's a joke, isn't it? Isn't that where I think in America it's like when you're first starting out as an actor, you're on one of the CSI shows. Over here, it's either Doctors, The Bill, or yeah, yeah. Doctor Who, apparently, or Doctor Who. But then again, mm. Doctor Who I think is a step up from like once you've done The Bill or Doctors, then you go to face it it's higher higher caliber of television i would argue <laughs> that's just me i'm biased yeah no i think that's fair though um but yeah but uh, uh, planet of the dead was different in that i can't remember her name now eastenders girl mm-hmm, yeah her um, the lady what's it Maduro. yeah she she her star was very briefly at that point very much in the ascendant. She she just broken a major US network TV show, mm-hmm. um, which was supposed to be the next big thing. I mean, it got cancelled really quickly, but it you know the Bionic Woman was supposed to be like a major. Yeah. You know, she was supposed to explode internationally. Yeah, she she was attempting to break away from East yeah. at the time, wasn't she? And so, so she I, was... I remember her being in a. Um, in fact, it was also an adaptation she did with Lee Piper uh, of Mansfield Park, and she played one of the cousins, I believe. Yeah. I will take your word for that simply because um, I rarely watch adaptations of Jane Austen now uh, because my wife's a Even massive... Even though you're a Jane Austen fan, is, no. it just be- is it because you're a Jane Austen fan and you're not? Yeah, you see, I don't mind them, but my wife's a much bigger fan than me and they make her far too cross. Why? Because she. Because well, they're always wrong. They're not only proper adaptation. <laughs> they're always terrible. Um, yeah, no, but, Lizzie. Um, I, it was before lockdown, so I can't imagine why. But the Gwyneth Paltrow version of Emma was, uh, on, right. was on the telly one one Sunday afternoon a couple of months ago, and honestly, bearing in mind she's lived with me for thirty years, so has had many many reasons to be cross. Um, I've never seen my wife more incandescent. Wow. <laughs> she was so the appalled thing by... is, Yeah, my... The thing is, I have a bit of an emotional connection to that film because it was the first film my parents, my mum and stepdad saw as a couple. So it's one that's very special oh, to cute. them. Yeah, I like that. That's nice. And so the funny thing is, as well, is that they were friends before they got together, very much like Emma and Mr. Mr. Knightley. Knightley, which I thought was a very nice connection. Yeah, sweet. I like that. I like that. I'm prepared to forgive even Gwyneth Paltrow for that. Oh yeah, that's the only reason why I don't I don't watch it. I mean, it's theirs. That's their film. But mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, Gwyneth, if if you're listening, if you ever listen to this, please stop. Just please, please stop. Yeah, I I think I, I I'm thoroughly on board with that message, Gwyneth. Mm-hmm. If if indeed you are listening, just just don't do it anymore. Back to who? Yes. Uh, drag us screaming back to Doctor Thank Who. Thank you. So, Planet of the Dead. So, like, um, Bus goes to Planet. Planet is of dead creatures. And Lee Evans, inexplicably, 
with a Welsh accent, are probably like the highlights of it, really. The boss in the desert and See, Lee Evans with a Welsh I accent. A, I have a problem with Lee Evans being a highlight of anything. Um, I'm <laughs> really not a fan. I mean, yeah, by highlight, I mean, yeah, I'm not. sticks in my brain. I, I, to I, 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 I mean, to, either. To, to be fair, right. I, I, I didn't find Norman Wisdom funny either. So um, I, I, a Norman Wisdom tribute act is definitely not my thing. Um, he's not my jam, not remotely, but uh, it's one of those moments that really sticks it sticks in your head, you know, Lee Evans in a bus, uh, mm. Lee Evans in a van looking for a bus. Um, and, of course, I think the key part of the, oh, the key part of that episode, really, if we're looking at, a tenant arc because mm-hmm. he's still in the tenant arc and he's figuring out his life post Donna. Um, he obviously uh, refuses to allow her to travel with him because she's a thief. Yes. I am not mentioning his future wife. That's all I have to say. Yeah. River, that's an interesting change of opinion. River clearly, River clearly mellows him. It's fascinating. So That's one of those things that I don't see as a paradox or a conflict because he does object to Milady because she's a thief. Um, but I also think he just doesn't like her very much. And you're a thief is an easy reason. You know, I'm sure I'm sure his feelings about Milady are a little bit more complicated than that. Uh, on your microphone, because I can just hear lots of scratching. Ah, uh, yeah, <laughs> that's what it is. <laughs> it's the other set of headphones. Sorry. <laughs> um, sorry about that. No, no. Um, whereas River is many things. I mean, oh. she's certainly not just a thief. No. Um, and, you know, she's a respectable thief. She's an archaeologist. And I mean, uh, archaeology... Rather than a cat burglar. <laughs> archaeology <laughs> is just thiever- thiever- thievery. It's just that the victim of the crime has been dead for a while. Um, uh, so it's respectable thievery. And... That's a really interesting spin on Indiana Jones. Oh, he's a massive thief. Oh, yeah, Indiana <laughs> Jones. He's also a shocking archaeologist. His practice is awful. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Not a good guy. But, um, yeah, and also <laughs> he, loves, he loves River. And so, you know, the, yeah. the, the, the bad things that she... I mean, she's also a murderer. Um, yeah. The bad things that she does, he's prepared to overlook. <laughs> Because it's yeah. River, whereas he's not prepared to overlook that in someone like Milady. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Perfectly reasonable. reasonable. Perfectly reasonable behaviour. Um, yeah, so, yeah, and the big bat thingies. I, I, it's just, I mean, the, I just remember meeting an Easter egg and having a thing that goes ping when there's stuff, and that's like it. <laughs> I, I genuinely, again, not like a wonder not a brilliant episode they, they just popped these little tenant crap episodes in and then they gave us waters of mars which i think is actually worth getting to shall we get to waters of mars because yeah I, I, i've exhausted everything i've got to say about those episode. two episodes sucked and then they did waters of mars which so. is a masterpiece i mean it's, it's brilliant. Oh, i love that episode so much um lindsay duncan who plays adelaide brooks oh, sorry, adelaide brook uh was amazing um, a great performance even though it was just for one episode I, I thought she was brilliant um, and just the whole story was fascinating because I've in the recent years I've become very and I think this is probably stemmed from my love of Alien but 
horror narrative set in space. Yeah, I yeah. Asked, so I was going to be down with this episode anyway, unless they did it poorly, and then I would have hated it for all time. And, but it's like, so it, brilliantly unsettling, though, isn't it? Like they just the people just stand there and start to just like mm. dribble. Well, the thing that the I dribbling love, is so unsettling. <laughs> yeah, and the it, thing about the whole the monster is that it's something that's very difficult to escape from, and that's what makes a good monster. It's water. How can you escape from water even in space? It's, yeah. yeah. Mm. Um, and it's also quite. I think also the best, and yet again, this is all thanks to Ray Bradbury, um, is the, the almost colonial sort of spin on the monster. Because mm-hmm. it's, um, it's one, the monster is, um, the theory, I think, was that it was frozen by some ice warriors, I believe, if I'm remembering, remembering that rightly. So there's the implication that monsters or the monster is a native to that planet. Mm. Yeah. Um, so now that it's been re- awakened, it's almost almost like an anti uh, an anti colonial sort of. It's it's weird how it's still regarded as the monster, but isn't that the case with every of, every horror film though? Isn't it like yeah. the, the monster in most films is something uh, which you know we hold up. Yeah, it's, 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 it's always, always been no. It's always been associated with the other. Yeah, yeah. Mm. That's why horror is so yeah. good. It's a genre. There, yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and I and in the ending, not to just skip over. I'm sure we'll backtrack to some other aspects of it, but the ending of the episode was really powerful for me. Um, yes. Because there was the doctor who, up to this point, was saying we can't we can't change time and even throughout this whole episode saying i can't change time can't I, it's it, this is a um a fit point can't do anything to intervene into intervene with what's going to happen next no matter how bad i know but he's but he he goes against that he completely breaks that rule and, and he and it's actually and i almost found it quite frightening how defiant he was he said do you know what i'm gonna break the rules because i'm the doctor and it was actually kind of scary how arrogant he was being yeah absolutely mm. absolutely like, and it's because he's had a complete break it's um and it's almost the beginning of the end yeah absolutely 100 mm. well it is it the is. beginning of the end especially yeah. for him anyway yeah um but yeah i thought it was just a, it was a solid episode Right. Yeah, I, I, it, it really is. It really, really is. Um, although, we're, apart from reiterating how good I thought it was, I can't think of anything else to say. So, Hat? Um, I, mostly, I, um, I have the same feelings as Alice on, on that whole idea of uh, aliens as other creatures and the, the, and the way it has that uh, complete permeation concept because of the water, all of that stuff, mm. absolutely. Mm. But the the actual um, the physical aspects of the um, makeup and the effects, the physical effects for me, just absolutely cement that. And, I mean, by all accounts, it was a horrible experience <laughs> to actually try and do that. Well, it's because there um, are practical effects. I always yeah, find absolutely. the episodes I love the most are the ones that use the least CGI and more practical. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Because you can tell when it's CGI. Even, even now, even even when it when there are films that will be 
coming out this year, hopefully, when this is all over, you can still tell it's CGI at the end of the day. So there's almost that barrier. But And this applies to not only science fiction films, horror films, any genre that will use special effects. You Even if it's the, you know, the latest technology, you can tell it's CGI. So that's where it doesn't scare you as much. But films mm. that didn't over either over rely on CGI or decide to implement practical effects rather than CGI have ended up being the scariest for me, and that's because there is more of a there isn't a disconnect from reality, yeah. Yeah. Um, and that's why I think this episode worked so well, as opposed to other horror esque episodes which used terrible CGI. <laughs> yeah, no. I need to mention those episodes because I think you probably know which episodes they are. <laughs> yeah, I do. I love it, and it's the way it's sort of—it's it, very subtle to begin with, and then it becomes more mm. and more and more. And the way they build up the makeup and everything. So you start with just like the, the water dribbling, and then it becomes mm. this sort of half-face, horrible, constant drool nightmare. Yeah. Um, honorable rem- mem- uh, honorable mention for the robot. Because that's also a nice little practical oh, effect. Yeah, I love that so much. Wow. Yeah, and we always gotta love a robot on a space station, personally. And yeah, um, I think as you say, like the ending is incredibly powerful because of that. The mm. place that he goes to, and we have to then from there see him come back. And I think that coming back and that um, in the next, in the final episodes, uh, they really mm-hmm. it really gives you that kind of finality to the arc and it allows Tenant's Doctor to grieve Donna through Waters of Mars because I feel like mm-hmm. that is what's happening. It's a, a group, part of the grieving process. This is his mm-hmm. rage. We're watching that. And um, and then we come to, you know, his acceptance with Wilf and everything and those last two. Mm, yeah. Well, it's very obviously the reason why he, was beha- he behaved the way that he did is because of the loss of Donna. Oh, Absolutely, yeah, it's absolutely the rage aspect. Of and you rage. got to bear in mind as well. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm talking, even though he is the same character, regardless as to whether he regenerates or not, but even in this single generation, regeneration, um, he's lost Rose, he's lost Martha, and he's like, so he's lost quite a lot of people. So yeah. all, all it takes is just one person after the other, and everybody has a breaking point. And not only that, he was kind of like, he had them all together. He was forced to face what he had turned them into, and mm-hmm. then he lost Donna. And it was like, you know, he had this, that that one, that episode really just kind of changes everything. And I think that, that, that uh, ripple effect, really, we see that through yeah. from there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree with all of that. Which doesn't make for a particularly interesting debate, but um, I... And now... It does mean that you're right. <laughs> oh, uh, so... So are we on to... Uh... We're... Now the end of time. Yeah, we're yeah. about to hit the big one. The big one. Now, this is, this, is, this is a fairly controversial episode. I don't know anyone who's indifferent about it. Everybody I know, either... That I've spoken to about it, at least, either loves it, or hates it with an absolute passion. Um, so I'm, uh, I uh, again, I 
I really, 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 really loved John Sims' performance as the master in this episode. Um, the chemistry be- between him and Tennant is amazing. That's something that really struck me about this episode. Um, and, and, and Wilfred, Jesus Christ, Wilfred. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, and Donna. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh god. Yeah. Um but those were the really the only highlights for me. And I thought um that the master's defiance in the end. It it reached it it, it got there organically and I think that was the right conclusion for all that. Because as I, because I, I've, I've, I've encountered Missy now, so I know that the master has come back. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, as far as that regenerate that that one, uh, so, put, so how many masters have there been? In is that in, including Classic Who? Ooh. Has there only been one in Classic Who? No, um, Classic Who. The original master was played by well. The first master we see on screen, because who knows how many regenerations he'd had prior, um, was played by Roger Delgado. Uh, mm-hmm. and he was a third Doctor villain. And the interplay between Roger Delgado and John Pertwee is mm-hmm. sublime. Um, he, the Delgado master is a lot of people's favourite master. Um, then they did a whole thing, because Roger Delgado then unfortunately died. Um, and so they did a whole thing where the, the master had used his last regeneration and was therefore nicking bodies and dropping his consciousness into them because he was trying to be immortal. Um, and so for a couple of seasons, the master was a really poor special effect. Uh, bearing in mind it was a practical effect um, of a sort of semi-rotting person uh, played by various actors and then I think I think it was with the fourth fourth Doctor, it might have been the fifth um, they gave the role to Anthony Ainley who is Mm -hmm. the master of my childhood Um, and he's passable, he plays the Doctor as um kind of a, not the Doctor, it plays the Master as a kind of a slimy um, arrogant black magician um, okay. you know, he's, he's got a widow's peak and he wears a lot of black, I think he's probably got, right. a, I think he's probably got a skull ring um, and then, I can sort of see that working, for a brief for a brief, blessedly brief moment um, he became um, Eric Roberts in the TV movie, which is all the no, all of the no, all of it. There is no no left for anybody else. It's all just resting with Eric Roberts as the master in the TV movie. I don't hate the TV movie as much as, as a lot of people do. Uh, but mm-hmm. My God, I hate Eric Roberts as the master. He's awful. Um, and then the next time we saw the master, it was, um, it, well, it I suppose technically, technically the next time we saw it, it was Derek Jacobi, but Derek it was so he's technically five, if we're going to go by numbers with the master. Yeah, except, obviously, 
If we're going to do the same thing as we do with Doctor Who. Yeah, well, the, the Delgado Master must have been the 12th Master if we're going under classic series rules of 12, 12 regenerations. Right. Um, 17th. Sim would be the 17th. Yeah. Okay. Well, I think he, he was just absolutely fantastic. And... Yeah, I don't... I, 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 just to jump ahead, but obviously only briefly... Missy's great, but I think if we never saw the master again, that it, that would have been like a fit, that would have been a fitting ending for him to stand in defiance of the Time Lords. I like the fact that we actually got to see the Time Lords as the arrogant, patriarchal, horrifying, awful people in that because. And it, it doctor, explains why the Doctor is the way he is. But the Doctor has spent so many time, so much time going, wasn't my, my planet was beautiful, wasn't it wonderful, wasn't it, you know, it was yeah. amazing. And he has this hindsight is 2020 sort of attitude towards explaining it up to that point. And then you, you actually mm. really see, and obviously you've met the Master um, at the end of the Martha Jones series. And you know that actually there is another Time Lord that's horrendous and awful mm. and was sent mad and screaming by his wonderful culture um, yeah. of making children that's, stare that's into the, the schism and then that's the you thing know, kind of yeah that's the thing i like about the master is that it's not the reason how he became the villain that he is is because as you said because of his culture just the horrors of his culture what because he basically became the, the person that he is now because of staring into the void And the interesting thing about that is the Doctor was faced with the same fate, but he decided to run away. So it's almost... And and that's where you you know you've got... I don't want to say the perfect villain, but a really well-written villain is basically the hero and the villain are two polar opposites. They both were faced with the same problem. And one went one way and one went the other. But in, in one so many... Chose to, in one so, was forced to stare into the void and one chose to run away, run away from that. Mm. But in so many other aspects, they're so very, very similar. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. In fact, Again, in, that, that's, that's... Yeah, that, there is such a point of being two polar opposite, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. There's also got to be some common ground, I think, for there to be some chemistry. It sounds really weird to say that, but, no, it doesn't. I, 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 I think I'm in complete agreement. The, the, um, there's been, like, obviously, you, you've had that question that's been asked, like, you know, Time Lords, like, I think it's Donna, isn't it? It goes, Time Lords, you call yourself Time Lords or whatever. And it's yeah. like, and that question continues to be asked, like, you know, what kind of arrogant group of, hum- of creatures or beings decides to name themselves something like that, you know? Mm-hmm. Um so I, I do, I like the fact that that's questioned and that um, they are brought in and they have the ridiculous, amazing stupidness of the oh, making the shape of the collar thing. Brilliant yeah. collars. These costumes are stunning and like that harkens back to... Even Nightwing doesn't have a stupid oh. collar than that. <laughs> it's true. Um, that, you know, going back to Classic Who, you know, those, that, that is a, a design that has been brought forward and modernised and, and kind of in the, in the Davis era... 
I really love that design. I think it's fabulous. And um, a lot of those, those aspects when you see them uh, are, are calling back, which is really nice for people that, have, that remember Classic Who. But it's also kind of nice to have a give the Time Lords and to give Gallifrey kind of this is the first opportunity we get to give Gallifrey a design concept and to give it its uh, its idea of culture and its idea of um, what it looks like for people who have never seen it, which I think I would have to say, like the majority of people watching you who probably haven't watched Old Who because it's a kids TV show. Let's not mess about. Let's not pretend it was written for us. It was written as a family show on a Saturday or mm. Sunday afternoon tea time or Absolutely. Saturday afternoon tea time. So, you know, those kids watching it sitting there with their parents, their parents can go, oh, yeah, I remember that, that, that shape. And these kids for the first time get to see this idea of what the Time Lords have, which is just insane and stupid. Um, in terms of design, it's just wild. And I mean, I love it. It's just this complete ridiculousness. It's completely yeah. impractical. It is. And, and that is in terms of like, when we talk about designing things, we talk about designing costumes, and when we look at all those kind of things, when you have something that impractical, that ridiculous, it generally suggests that the person wearing it or the people wearing it are believe themselves to be of a ridiculously high status to, to such a degree that they do not have to ever do anything for themselves and that they are the upper echelons of society and some poor sod somewhere is running around after them cleaning yes. up their messes. Yes. And I think actually having that in design as well as in concept for them in the way they behave is really important in, uh, in any science fiction or any fantasy setting because it ha- it, you have to have something that signifies the audience that level of status or where the way they perceive themselves to be in terms of status. Yeah. And I think it, it make, it just makes that instinctively clear. You don't have to, you don't yeah, have to that's what design's for. Cause yeah, you see somebody dressed for. like a time Lord and you know that, well, somebody else is doing the hoovering mm-hmm. and somebody else is, is doing the cleaning and the cooking and stuff. Cause you can't do anything dressed like that. Yeah. You just can't. It's um, just classic costuming, yeah. you know, it's, but it's uh, nice to have that visual reference yeah. for for an audience. Yeah, and it also makes them look a little bit silly. Oh, absolutely! All, which, all good villains should look a little bit yeah, silly. Yeah, which which reminds you that they're not all that. Mm-hmm. Hundred percent. Which is nice. Yeah, yeah. That episode never fails to make me cry. Um, like Wilf, it's just Wilf. Wilf just makes me cry. Oh, can we can we just um, take a moment to appreciate Bernard Cribbins? It's just mm. fabulous. He's Honestly, so good. You know, he his that whole thing. He never killed anybody, and that whole you know, a man that never would. And you just, oh my god, sob your heart out. Mm. It's you know, uh, it. I would be proud to have you as my granddad or my father or whatever it is that he says, and it just kills me, kills mm. me every time. Um, yeah. Me too. You know, it's just phenomenal. Those those moments between the Doctor and Wilf are everything. And he's um, so he's so prepared. Great to to sacrifice himself yeah you know he's not looking for a favor he's not looking no. to be rescued um he's prepared to sacrifice himself to save the doctor mm-hmm. and you know that that's a point that we're going to come back to uh, when we talk about a future episode yes let's um actually how far have you got now alice i am now up to so i'm now on with Oh, okay. Uh, uh, oh, yes, of course, because you, uh, you, you sucked um, to kill the moon, didn't you? Yeah. Yes. Oh, we're going to talk about that episode. Yes, when perhaps, we get there. Perhaps not today. When but... we get there. 
<laughs> you've uh, seen have you have you seen anything else after last christmas no that's the latest episode of right watched. so you've seen last christmas and that's it okay so yeah we know, we know where we are that's cool yeah okay yeah. I'll, 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 so now on to the 11th hour <laughs> uh now the 11th hour is one of my although briefly talk about the uh, departure of pen and Actually, yeah, can we, yeah. We, I think we, we need to we need to cover tenants. Farewell tour. Did I liked that? I liked mm. farewell. That tour. was so. I mean, it was so self indulgent, but it was absolutely. It was. I. It was sweet though. Yeah, it like, was I, so sweet. And it was. It was, in, it was indulgent for the viewer too. Mm. I and, and for Davis. Yeah. Yes, of course. It was the he end was of an era, wasn't he? It was absolutely. This is the tin lid. This is it. We're done. We're walking away, and we're handing this on yep. to a Here different are director. This is yeah. this is what happened to everybody. Yeah, mm-hmm. Jack's Jack's off setting up the the. No, uh, he goes off and he sets Jack up with the the cabin boy from the Titanic, and he. I love that. Russell um, Toby, yeah. He uh, he he goes and sees Martha and Mickey. Yeah. Um, which I really liked. I yeah. loved that they they were both in unit and uh, fighting the good fight. I really liked that. Yeah. Uh, it gave it gave Martha a much more satisfying ending than she had previously had. Mm-hmm. Even though she went to Torchwood and then came back from Torchwood, and there was a whole thing with the contact lenses and weirdness, and that was kind of a fun. I liked seeing her in Torchwood. I have to say. Oh yeah, she was great. Um, I mean, we need to talk about Torchwood. All of the podcast. <laughs> yeah. yeah. After we've done Doctor, after I'm caught up to Doctor Who, then Torchwood because I. I think I've already mentioned that I have watched Torchwood, so I've watched mm-hmm. that before starting Doctor Who. <laughs> Which is an odd way around to do it, but wow. never mind. You do you, Alice. You do you. <laughs> yeah. No, I love the farewell tour. I really appreciate it a lot. I think it's... Um, well, and again, I just pa- think it's fun. Particularly you know, it's really when nice he goes to see Donna. Room. Yeah. I mean, how can oh. you fail? Oh. <laughs> Killed me. Oh, and Killed he, me. he gives Wolf the lottery ticket, and he, he's just it's just mm-hmm. perfect yeah. um it doesn't quite redeem the way donna left nothing can ever no. but it it, it does sort of try it's gonna and, be able to redeem that it does sort of try i think rtd knew that it messed that up the thing is with it you know like i don't know yeah i hate it i hate it i don't know and there's no way i can come back from the fact that I just hate that ending for her. I hate it so much. And um, I'm just mad about it, and I will be to the day I die. But, you know, I do see that it was the only way that she could leave. I do see that. I fundamentally see that, like, Catherine Tate would have stayed in that TARDIS until the end of time. The reason she became Donna was because she didn't want to leave the TARDIS in her special episode. Like, you know, she came on to the Christmas special and she just kept refusing to do the line of leaving because mm. she wanted to be in it so bad. So they they gave her it, which I, which I is, love because the chemistry was perfect. It was phenomenal. It was. Mm. I, 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 I think we talked about this before, but oh, if you see if you see her act with David Tennant in anything else, it's still that chemistry <laughs> is still. So have you seen mm. the again? We, we probably talked about this, too. Did you have you seen the Nevermind the Buzzcocks episode that David Tennant... You talked about it, chaired? yeah, yeah. Have, have no. we talked about that before? Yeah. The other thing yeah. that I've seen them in is yeah. um, the Christmas special on um, her show, the one where she plays the grumpy old nanny, mm-hmm. and he, he plays teacher, yeah. the... He's a school teacher. Um, oh, no, um, 
I wasn't thinking of that one, but that's that one's brilliant. Where he's teaching Shakespeare, and then she just goes off into Shakespeare, which is great. Um, They play together in As You Like It. Was it As You Like It? They did. Uh, Yeah, Kiss Me, Kate. That was brilliant. But the one I was thinking of was um, when he plays the ghost. And he, looks like, and he looks a lot like he, he, basically the costume is Russell Brand. Um, <laughs> but that was absolutely brilliant. It's on YouTube. So just. I will find it and stick a link in the show notes. And it's, it's just hilarious and it's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I, and, yeah, they did. She'd never have left any other way. That's what it kind of comes down to. Mm. And I just like Catherine Tate would never have left any other way. Donna, it just kills me though. I just, yeah, I hate it. Well, <laughs> but actually, I don't want to go completely back over the departure of Donna. But <laughs> but we're all really there, there mad was about another it. way she could yeah. have left. Because if David, if if Ten hadn't wiped her memory, she would have died. Yes, and, and that would have been worse. That would have been. But at least she would have had agency. That's true. I don't, I, it's the lack of agency that I hate. Um, it is. That really upsets me. She would have had agency. It, it, it's, it could have ended up being a frigid, I suppose. It doesn't help that at the moment a lot of female characters, um, not, in doc, not just in Doctor Who, but just in general, don't seem to be allowed an awful lot of agency. Yeah. I mean, this is like years ago, isn't it? Come on now, we're like talking like nearly 10 years ago that this, this, that whole situation happened. So, like, um, you know, we are talking, it's sad that we haven't moved on. We are talking fractionally more than 10 years ago. Oh, I'm Jesus, afraid. really? Because I, I only know this because it came up on in one of the Facebook groups that I hang around on because I like torturing myself. That mm-hmm. uh, it was the 10th anniversary of, we've just mentioned it, 11th hour. It was, it was, oh, it was okay. just recently the 10th anniversary of 11th Hour. Wow. Oh, wow. So, so, shall we get back to 11th Hour? Since so, so shall we? Because 11th Hour, I reckon, is probably... It's, for me, it's one of the best episodes of New Who. And it's, without question, one of the best introductions of a new Doctor mm-hmm. in the whole of the very nearly 60-year run now. Uh, and it's... It's a perfect jumping on point. If you've oh, yeah. if you've never seen Doctor Who before and you don't know who you don't and you don't know anything about it, Eleventh Hour is the place to start. Mm-hmm. It's such a good, it's a much better introduction to the to the show than Rose, for instance. Oh, agreed. Um, I think Rose was a, was actually. I mean, I liked Rose when it was on, um, but I don't think as a way of introducing people that don't know the show to the show, and if you. Think about when Rose was was first broadcast. Nobody that was the main target audience for that show had been alive the last time they'd been Doctor Who. Yeah. Same to twelve year olds. <laughs> yeah. um, okay. I mean the the, the TV movie was ninety six. The TV movie was uh, ninety five. I think. Okay. So, I, I only say that because I was in year seven. And so that. if you were ten, <laughs> you might just have been born in time for the TV movie. But the... I, so, so when did it come out again? Nineteen ninety five. I think it, it was ninety five. I'm going to check. Well, then I was either four or five when that came out. So you'd you'd have no memory of it. It was nope. nine. I was wrong. It's if it was on the telly, I would not remember it being. On. Mm, mm. So so Rose Rose was not a great way to introduce new new to people. Clarify, to clarify, the TV movie came out in 1996, but was set in 1999, just to mess with us. Um, oh, yeah I, hate, yeah, I hated that at the time, because it was it was the near future, but it was too near. 
Yeah, absolutely. It, yeah. Was, like, it was like Fear Her. Which you're going to set it in the future, set it at least 10 years yeah. from now. Because at least. Yeah, it's going to be really clear that you were wrong far too soon. So I was in year eight uh, when I had to witness the sheer horror of Hologans, <laughs> Doctor Who. I despised it. <laughs> I despised it then. I despise it now. That is all I'm saying on yeah, that matter. So why we'll we withhold judgment? Yeah, we're not. We're not. When do you know what? We're never talking about the TV movie. No, let's not. So but the eleventh so, hour. So eleventh hour. As I was saying, one of the best introductions to new mm-hmm. viewers ever. It, it intended to be so. It, it was kind of relaunched the show in America. Mm-hmm. Uh, is when it was the first season that um, BBC America showed. I love the eleventh hour. Yeah, I, I personally see why that was the first episode that they would introduce. Mm. Um, but um, also, there's a there's a. I don't know if it still is, but um, that that season of Who on Netflix has the American beginning on it, or it did. Oh, it does. I hate it. Which is um, Amy Pond doing a little monologue yeah. about when I was a little I, girl, I had an imaginary friend, which oh, was yes, which yeah. was it all yeah, that's about the introduction that you get. I oh, see. How I like it, hat. I hate it. Sorry for the so for the benefit. Yeah, I kind of I I am actually sort of with Hat on this one. It kind of just makes me roll my eyes every single time. For the benefit it of the listeners, Hat was me. making vomit gestures. Um, I just really you could just always like just like maybe record this little bit and put that in the show notes. That's not um, <laughs> your, <laughs> your actual reaction to it. I don't know. Yeah, I can't record. I can't record video on this software anyway. Thank God. No, um... Uh, believe me, if I could record a video, I wouldn't have my camera turned on. <laughs> Same. Uh, no, the... I, I really love um, 11th Hour. I really hate that intro. But there's there's so many really great moments for me. 11th Hour, because it completely reframes Doctor Who in a totally new environment. It moves out yep. of London. It moves out of, you know, main big cities. It's not, you know, anywhere else. It's just... It's in a village. Mm. It's a village. And it completely reframes everything because you're coming at it in a totally different direction. And I, I, I love it. I love that. I, I love that it did that. And it, it also has stars. That... It stars um, Oscar winner Olivia Coleman. It does. It does. She she wasn't then, but but no, because it also has that strange sense of but but it has that sense of unreality. You know, the village is a little bit odd. You know, it's got it's got the world's That's smallest, the point, isn't it? Yeah, it's got the world's smallest duck pond With and ducks. quite a major hospital. Yeah. For no apparent reason, uh, which I, I I I liked that just slight quirkiness of it. But that's the whole thing, isn't it? The whole series just becomes that much more full of quirks. And then we have the the wonderful Amelia Pond. Mm-hmm. Um, before she's Amy, she's Amelia, uh, mm-hmm. played by Karen Gillan's cousin, whose name I can never remember. Um, I thought she was, I thought she was great, and I I was. Uh, Caitlin Blackwood. Blackwood. Caitlin Blackwood, yeah. that's her. Um, and then we get Amy. And there's just that, that, that little bit of tragedy in the backstory that they give her in the space of five minutes. Because the Doctor goes off to recalibrate something. He'll be back in five minutes. And you see little Amelia sitting on her suitcase waiting for him to come back. Mm-hmm. And when he finally comes back, which is you know, sort of seconds later for him, it's been like 20 years for her. And how long did Amelia stay sitting in her garden on that suitcase before she finally accepted she'd been abandoned? 
And yeah. I, and I look at that is right at the core of who Amy Pond is for the rest of the time that Amy Pond's on the show. That she's Her had to wait. But, but also she had to be self-reliant because every oh, yeah. single person she'd ever counted on left. Yeah. And she had and to, fend, she had to fend for herself. Mm. And I, I, I think that explains so much about who Amy is. Uh, also, uh, I, do you know what? I make no apology for this point. She also looks amazing in that costume. <laughs> See, I, I kind of hated that. <laughs> I hated so much. Do you know? I thought you might. No, um, I, Alice. And I'm with Amy you. does. Um, she does grow on me in the end, but it still really it just pisses me off so much how she just tries to snog him all the time. Well, not all the time. <laughs> Most of the time. But also, I mean, she's very much like Madame de Pompadour in Girl in the Fireplace. Um, she, has, she has a very odd relationship in her head with this raggedy man who she's built up over the course of her life to be this amazing thing that's in her head. And it it strikes me that she probably entertained him in her head as a romantic fantasy mm. as she was growing up. And then suddenly... I'm sorry, I'm just laughing. Alice, your expression just then was so good. I, 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 can't, I can't see Alice's expression. I've got a still picture here. Um, but... It, I just feel so uncomfortable right now <laughs> uh, but, no, I, I can see I can see that she would have entertained him as a romantic fantasy in her head and then suddenly she's an adult and there he is and it must take some processing of all of those feelings between you know the thing that she's built up in her head and the reality of this idiot with a box that's standing in front of her um, and I, I just think she had a hard time processing it all I think Rory deserved better than that behaviour, oh, frankly. Know, she, she treats Rory without that. Sorry, she treats, but Rory, she treats Rory is lovely. He is so guy. lovely, so patient <laughs> with her. And yeah. he has to put up with this. She treats Rory appallingly badly, but isn't it nice for once to see the boyfriend being treated like that and not the girlfriend? Uh, How many characters... It's not nice either way. Thank I, you. Thank you, Anna. It's not, it's not uh, okay either way. Do you know what? I am not defending Amy's behaviour in any way at all. I think she treats him I, appallingly. I don't know, she's, Fred, she's, actually. I don't know. She's an appalling person in that yeah. aspect of her character. Um, Here's a good way of dealing with that behaviour, is if somebody behaves like that, they don't get away with it. <laughs> oh, but she doesn't. <laughs> Rory still sticks around, though. <gasps> yes, he does. And, God love Rory Pond. And she do, she she deserves better. Uh, sorry, he deserves better. But he does. But oh, there's a lot of relationships like that. It's not an unrealistic betrayal. It's just not. Um, okay. And but there was me thinking I'm going to start online dating. Now I'm not so sure about it anymore. Oh <laughs> <laughs> dear. Um, um, Let's let's move on from this this specifically terrible subject. Uh, just because I was going to run out of time to talk about anything but this one episode. Um, 
Mm-hmm. I hate to be the Steve of the situation. Oh, no, you, you go ahead and Steve no, away. No, you go ahead. Um, so obviously we deal with a prisoner, uh, prisoner, I forgot the number because it's not clear. I want to say prisoner 14. Prisoner something. Oh, um, prisoner zero, isn't it? Prisoner Zero. Prisoner Zero has escaped, yeah. Yeah, so we have this whole concept where they're going to fry the whole planet and everything, and the Doctor runs upstairs and shows them a library card with William Hartnell's face on it, and it gives me such deep joy. Yes. Um, I always enjoy the Doctor finding his style episodes. They're always really fun, that that part of the first episode, or finding her style, as we have later. I um, love Bow Tie, are cool. Bow ties are cool, you know, and I just, that was oh, iconic. Yeah. That line was iconic. And it, I mean, I think it shaped fashion for a while. I'm not even pissing about. Like, genuinely, the doctor changed the way we view tweed and short trousers that are, that's, this is still occurring. I mean, Peaky Blinders has taken over and everyone's kind of going down that direction, but it really did change fashion hugely. And I find that really fascinating, like how that simple design, like suddenly everyone everywhere was wearing a bow tie and tweed and braces and, or the Americans call them suspenders. And, oh, um, yes, and that's always confusing. Very confusing, because that's a whole other thing in England. Very, yeah, American <laughs> listeners, suspenders mean something very different over here. Very different. Um, and, uh, if, if, if you twang somebody suspenders in England, you are having a very different relationship. You very much are. So, um, yeah, so that whole like dressing like your granddad but looking hot, uh, thing became a meme and it's just like you mm. know again it was just fantastic I also really loved the um I see what did I, I saw what did I see section with the um stop motion photography I really loved that I thought that was fantastic sort of like fun little thing that a lot of people were doing at the time I was doing it um it was one of those random like internet things that folks especially in the art community were just like oh we can do stop motion photography by walking along with a camera and taking pictures of things and then like put them together and make a film I did it for my degree like <laughs> it's just like it's so dumb but like that that obviously was part of culture part of internet culture and and they brought in so many things and they become it became more memeable it became more um I don't know the, the, the relaunch really just changed the way the internet reacted and related to Doctor Who and I think that I think there was a perfect time for that to happen as well in terms of like what was happening in online spaces and cultures and fandoms being born and blossoming and appearing and eating themselves and whatever else but I think yeah, we had a, a real it had a real moment that one episode really kicked off a whole exciting new direction of um, of who uh, in, in mm. a lot of different ways. And I loved I loved the new TARDIS interior desperately. Yes, yeah. yes. I loved so, it. I loved steampunk interior TARDIS. I, I loved actually, everything about that. I loved the shape of the uppy downy bit, which I don't think, I don't know if it has a name other than the uppy downy bit. Um, but I think I it loved does. It. I don't know what it is. I loved it so much. I thought it was absolutely fantastic. And it was so nice to finally see a new TARDIS. It was the first one we'd had. We'd mm. had that same, like, busted old car seats, organic looking thing ever since the beginning. Mm. And we finally got something shiny and new and beautiful, but also very homespun and, um, you know, blown glass. And it felt like it fit the Doctor in this tweed. It and was- that, all that kind of stuff it all worked together in that kind of weird quasi-Agatha Christie 20s bizarre british quirky yeah, thing was, and i loved it it was proper victorian mad scientist it was proper hg wells it was great um i also want to say that um you both have always talked about who your doctors are and mm-hmm. i think 11 is my doctor so that's why it's also very exciting for me that we're now talking about 11 i think it's yeah. a good choice actually I, liz, I, liz, liz agrees liz loves him she I, thinks he's 
it just okay. it works because he, he he is as you've pointed out reg he's the youngest dog to date and yet he played him like a grand act and yeah that, he played him incredibly old yeah and that. in that mm. uh, that contrast that worked so well yeah. it worked beautifully because if yeah. he had played it like the hip new doctor it would have just been too much Mm. everyone was so worried about him because he was so young and i think it was the perfect reaction to that fear yes you know absolutely brilliant it was and of course later on you get capaldi who's i think he might be the oldest doctor uh i'm not sure i'm not sure if hartnell might have been a little bit older but um you know and he's wearing sunglasses and riding into the room on top of a tank playing an electric guitar i don't (laughs) think alice has seen that episode yet reg Damn, spoilers. <laughs> Have you not watched um, that yet? No, that, that's, that's that after does. last Christmas. Is it? it? Is. Yeah, it is, 100%. Um, sorry. With that minor mishap, we will leave it there. Uh, join us next week when we look further into the career of Matt Smith's Doctor, uh, and perhaps maybe even touch upon Capaldi, who can say. Uh, For now, thanks for listening. Uh, We will see you next week. Until then, be kind to yourself, be kind to everybody else. Remember your social distancing, wash your hands, and take good care. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Geeks at the Gate podcast. Us on Facebook at facebook.com slash geeks at the gate or contact us on Twitter at geeks at the gates or contact us by email on mail for geeks at the gates at gmail.com that is the number four not the word geeks at the gates is a production of Venus Rising Media and is proudly made in Yorkshire <laughs>